Good morning, podcast, and welcome to the Pieti Language Show. You are on the best podcast on planet Earth for photographers, videographers, and creators in general. All right, my name is Pierre, I'm your host, and today I have with me an awesome guest. Her name is Carmen Hutter. Carmen is a travel photographer based in New Zealand right now, but she's originally from Austria and has an awesome story to tell us about how she got started. Because, you know what, she wasn't always a travel photographer. So, I think a lot of you are gonna love that episode because we're going to be talking about her story, how she got started, how you can go over the fact that some people will not support you in your endeavors. You know, sometimes you might take an, on a new project and no one cares about it, no one wants to support you, everyone wants to put you in the same box. Well, what can you do about it? And how can you find the courage to really push through? On top of that, we will obviously answering your questions. So we'll be talking about some gear, we'll be talking about Lightroom, we'll be talking about Instagram, we'll be talking about how she approaches her photos and, and the style behind them. So I think there's ton of information in there. I'm losing my voice, so let's get right into it. Let's welcome Carmen on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Carmen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Carmen, I don't know if you're aware, but the way I found you was through my wife. I actually... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny because uh, I was on Instagram looking uh, at other photographers who look really good. And suddenly my wife is like, oh, do you know her? And I'm like, no, who is Carmen? And she's like, look, 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 I think she applied to some competition or she entered something. And I was browsing through the feed of that competition and it looks like... I mean, all the photos were random and one, one photo really standed out. And then she went to your profile and she saw the rest of your work. And she's like, wow, Pierre has to see that, that photographer. And that's how I got to know your work. That's so interesting. Was that the Marriott competition last year? Yes, it was. Yeah, that's so funny. And then Marriott ended up being one of my biggest clients. So that, that was a random, random thing. But, oh, oh, that's awesome. Did you win? You. So you, you won? Your wife. Yes, yeah, I won, oh. and then um, they actually became a really big client of mine, so it all That's so cool. ended up really good. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> Trina, so Trina is my wife, and she was like, you should apply, and I'm always, like, <clears throat> in a way, very lazy to apply to competitions, and, uh, and, I, was, and I looked at the, um, I looked with her at the feed, I'm like, I think she will win, <laughs> because, <laughs> Thank because you. you were the only one that really stood out from the rest, and I was like, that's a but real photographer here. But, you know, it was random because it wasn't like I went and applied for it. I got an email and I had to sign an NDA and then then I was part of the competition. So, oh. I, so some PR agency, I think, chose the people they wanted to compete. So it was the most random thing. Oh, that's perfect. See, serendipity. There yeah, we go. I, I, I guess so. Always a good silver lining there. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Secretly on the other side of the world, someone was watching it <laughs> and was thinking, I should get comment on the podcast one day. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. So, Carmen, for all of those who are listening right now and who don't know you, tell, can you give us a little brief? What did you do in your life when you stopped school, after school? What happened? So when I stopped school, I was 18 years old. Actually, funny enough, I graduated school on my 18th birthday. And then I did an internship. I, by then, it was like my, I don't know, fifth or sixth internship already. I did lots of internships during school, mostly in the business world. And I went to New Zealand for six months. So I'm from Austria in Europe, not Australia, Austria. Because um, <laughs> people are like, oh, well, great. You went from Australia to New Zealand. Well, that's so exciting. But no, actually, I think on the other side of the world. Um, and then I studied uh, English for six months. And that's, that was supposed to be kind of my prerequisite for one day studying in the UK. I had an idea of doing uh, my university maybe in the UK and so I needed like you know these sort of certificates that proved English proficiency um, and then long story short the school I went to in New Zealand went into receivership so I had to literally stop going to school I wasn't allowed anymore I lost my visa and oh. then I was forced dramatically to travel which I didn't even plan I mean I'm probably the only person from Austria at 18 years of age to come to New Zealand and not to travel um, because that was just not part of the plan. Um, but then, you know, the plan changed. Things obviously went a lot more right. I began to travel and then I came back to New Zealand a year after and I did my whole university here. I got a scholarship. And long story short, I started traveling throughout university. Um, I would, you know, work three, two, three jobs during uni and every summer I'd go away by myself for two to three months. I would go, you know, all throughout South America and, and Indonesia and China and 
all kinds of places just for the sake of traveling. I didn't have a camera or, or such. Um, Got it. And then once my university uh, finished, I decided um, there's just something else. I wanted to try something else. So I made a website and it became, for some reason that no one can explain to me, not even myself, uh, I became a fashion blogger for a year, which didn't. Do, no way. Which did not do very well. And I, I encourage you all to either, I mean, scroll back if you want to have a good laugh, but then otherwise just don't do it to yourself because it's really random and I haven't so deleted funny. the stuff. So um, it's still there, uh, gracing, gracing my feet, but that's how I sort of started <laughs> out. And then a, in a year into that, I went to Canada to visit some friends. And then I took like a week by myself to just go um, to, you know, some sort of famous spots to travel and hike. And I went to Lake Louise and I took like Louise, um, and, and that photo ended up in National Geographic online, super random. Oh, wow. And that sort of set that that was the precedent to everything I do now. So that really made me sort of get my act together and actually understand, you know, at least ask questions about photography and focus on the things I was doing instead of, you know, just doing it day to day. I, I started taking mm -hmm. it all a bit more seriously. And that's, that's sort of how the travel photography world started for me. That's so interesting. And at university, were you studying photography or? Oh, no, no, no. I was studying uh, management and human resources and Spanish and a bit oh. of entrepreneurship. I was studying a lot of things. <laughs> oh, got it. So nothing to do with, I mean, some parts have to do, obviously, but that wasn't the main focus. No, so no, creativity, back, if you ask me back in those days, or even when I went to high school, and you asked me sort of what my creative hobbies were, I would have told you that I, I just am not gifted. You know, that is a thing that, oh, got that, it. that we kind of grew up with, especially as women anyway, we grew up with and we're being told these are the things you're good at and these are the things we stick with for the rest of our lives because we, we, we feel yeah. too afraid. So I just, I never knew that I could sort of choose <laughs> what I wanted to do. It sounds terrible, but it's true. Yeah, and to be honest, not just not just women, because I get so I get emails uh very often or DMs of people sharing a little bit of their story. And to be honest, in many cases it's very surprising. You know, the mm -hmm. people go in one direction and the universe or whatever is just pushing them back somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them never thought that they could do something different mm -hmm. or that it could work. And I think that's that's a great uh, lesson. And and I imagine that yeah, Austria is pretty. Um, I imagine it's like France, at least my Austrian friends, where it's very how do you say square, you know, in terms of you do this, mm -hmm. you end up mm -hmm. being like that, and mm -hmm. this is where you will end up in ten years. Uh, how how did your family take the the change? Because yeah, I'm not sure if they took it initially. To be honest, <laughs> bless them, <laughs> they're lovely people. I am. Um, I mean, to give you a bit of a background, I do have quite a quite of an, a, a strange sort of upbringing. I, I had to leave my home very early. I moved up when I was 15. And um, although I've got, you know, some really, really beautiful family members and um, I love them all. It's just it, there has been a lot of sort of complications when I grew up. And mm -hmm. so in that sense, they didn't support me in any sort of particular way anyway. But okay. um, my dad, of course, was, I grew up with my dad only too. So I grew up with only one parent. And um, yeah, he he just wanted me to be safe and secure. And so going into business seemed to be the way because of course, if you, you know, if you're an entrepreneur in any way, but especially in, in a sort of the creative world, there's, there's often not so much control you can have over it. So he just yeah. wanted me to have a secure job and I was really good at maths and I was really good at all these sort of things. So that was his idea for me, which is totally fair enough. Mm -hmm. So when I then started my blog, especially the fashion blog, he didn't speak to me for many, many months. No, I mean, you know, I'm sure it wasn't purpose in that sense, but it was really just, he didn't know how to yeah. cope with it. So I don't, I don't blame him. So no, not yeah. too well, but there is, I have always been very um, stubborn in that sense that, I um I have a very strong intuition and sometimes you just have to go for it. And having lived by myself for so long, I'm, so this is, I'm 25 now, so this is 10 years ago that I moved out from home. Having had so much experience yeah. on sort of making everyday choices and, and creating action by myself, I was quite used to, you know, just just sort of giving myself that, um, allowing myself to do something new. That is good. That is good. You see, it's... Um... First of all, kudos to you because it's not always easy. And 
uh, sometimes people like to blame that part for not doing things. Mm, I and I think it's, it's a great way actually to, to use uh, maybe adversity you have in your youth to actually push yourself and, and do things differently for the future. And I mean, I've been super lucky with my childhood where I had both parents, like you can call it like happy life, etc. Um, but it also comes with a huge, um, how do you call that, like um, pressure from your family, you know, who raised you in a good way, who tried to invest everything into you and they, they try to push it on you also, mm. you know, where it's like, well, we, we sacrificed this and this mm. for you. Why are you trying to do something that is contrary, you know? And I think a lot of people are in that position also where um, maybe parents don't understand and that gets so difficult. Whether you have one parent or 10 parents, they still have an idea of what is safe for you in the future. And I totally can imagine that, you know, if we had, if I have kids one day, I'm sure I will have some kind of idea of what is safer for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but my, I mean, I will, at least I will try and I say it now, we'll see later if my kids ever listen to that. <laughs> I will try not to influence them too much. Uh, just give them uh, my lesson and let them judge for themselves and make their own mistakes or uh, good experiences actually. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we, you yeah. know, we all we all do the best we can, and people around us. No one gets born with any sort of wrong intention. Um, so everyone, everyone just wants to sort of not be lonely and 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 experience yeah. love and kindness in their life. And people just do it in different ways. So you just kind of over over the years, you know, you do come to sort of to understand that you know you follow to 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 do follow your intuition and to create that sort of trail that you are yourself proud of but not do it at the expense of any other people yes absolutely and it's um so if you tie it back to photography mm. in a way it's it's kind of funny maybe you've had those shots where you don't really know why you have to go out you know or you know you want to go out but you're not motivated and and something is just pushing you inside you you're like no no i just have to get out i have to go there and get that shot and it ends up being like either a life-changing shot or just an amazing photo that you never expected but something just told you to to go in that direction and, and it just happens yeah i agree i mean just recently uh, we went camping just after christmas we went on a hike and uh, it was a really cloudy night like the fog kind of rolled in we were really high up at few thousand meters and then I went to the bathroom just before I went to bed it was like 11 30 at night and I looked up and I could just see the clouds parting and suddenly I could see the most incredible Milky Way you know and you do have these moments where this wasn't planned I didn't plan on getting my camera out but within a couple of seconds I was <laughs> jumping around in my, in my <laughs> tent trying to get everything sorted and then you know I took the photo and I really loved the photo and then 10 minutes later the, the, the clouds came back in so Oh man, that is so cool. I love the stories. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening and, and you're, and at any point you're wondering, well, I'm not motivated, but you feel something pushing you to the lodge, always go for it. Always try to try to follow your intuition. I think intuition is something that's very hard to find. And follow. Uh, I'm just going to personal anecdote, but your story reminds me when I went up a glacier in, uh, in France in the, in the Alps, same thing happens, like super tired with my friends. So we fall asleep at like 7 p.m. <laughs> or 8 p.m. Nice. Suddenly I have to go urgently to the bathroom at 11.30 or 1 a.m. at night. And I go outside and say, same thing happened. I go outside and I'm like just messed because the <laughs> sky was incredible. Uh, just like you, I started running back in and, and spent like the next 30 minutes just taking photos around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was the goal, but I fell asleep before. Uh, any stars <laughs> came up so it's really good uh, so Carmen to tie it back uh, a little bit to adventure and photography what does adventure mean to you adventure um yeah what is an adventure to you an adventure to me to be honest I mean I'm gonna just sound so hippy dippy on this podcast but I am not intending to but for me adventure just means a really open heart and a sense to experience something new and whether that is you know, being a lot of times in the outdoors and experiencing new things and, you know, seeing the night sky like this, or honestly, just taking a next step with a relationship you're in or um, having a beautiful night with friends and adventures sort of comes from the heart. But for me personally, I mean, I do spend, luckily my, my job is in the outdoors and I spend most of my time there. And that's that, that for me ties it back. I grew up in the mountains where I grew up in a little village in Austria. We literally have 360 degrees mountains so 
the mountains for me oh, are wow. my home and I feel um, I feel adventurous when I do something new. So for me that, you know, things like surfing and diving at the moment, that that's something that obviously I didn't grow up with. So that, that brings me more of a sense of adventure. But anything that I feel I can create a new experience is, is an adventure for me. Got it. That's great to hear. It's not just about being in a place. It's also... It could be anywhere at any time. Mm. Um, I feel I feel like a lot of people just ask me, how do you manage to travel and go so far, etc. Mm. But I also like to remind everyone uh, that adventure is, is kind of a mindset mm. um, in a way where it's like, <laughs> I went to a supermarket the other day. And yes, I'm just a little bit funny because I have a green uh, winter jacket right now and it's made for skiing. And I have my orange backpack, so it kind of looks like I just came out of an expedition. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the cashier is literally asking me, what adventure are you going on? Oh, that's I'm so like, good. Well, I'm like, every day is an adventure, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm here in the supermarket. You don't know what's going to happen next. Oh, my Lord. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, just, I, I think it's good for anyone to keep that mindset, um, especially when you're doing photography, because then it allows you to go from every place is boring to I never know what's going to happen anywhere. You know, you can find some cool light you've never seen before in your city and start shooting there, or you can, uh, you can discover a new, new place. Uh, speaking of photography, I'm kind of curious, and I think everyone is, and it's the most asked question in the world, but how does your travel uh, photography sit like? Are you more minimalist or do you carry as many lenses as possible? How does that work for you, Carmen? I'm so, I think I'm somewhere in between. I'm definitely not uh, a, a, a minimalist by definition, but I try to, to not break my back. So I have oh, yeah. a camera. That's a big yeah. one. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I have a camera that is, is actually the only full-frame camera I've ever had and now the shutter count is so high that I think it's gonna break very soon <laughs> so at the moment I use the Sony a7 II but I think I do have to upgrade very shortly and you know what's funny can I just throw this in here I was literally last night before going to bed watching all these YouTube reviews about you know the Sony a7 III and the R3 and then I look into the comments and then I see a comment from you in there no way <laughs> yeah you were asking some question about a camera <laughs> oh my god that is so funny I know, it's such a small world. I mean, I it's probably the algorithm that knew that we were messaging and who knows. No, no, I, I genuinely <laughs> must have posted something. And uh, yeah, and I think if you have a higher number of subscribers, your comments end up a bit higher in the feeds oh, there you of go. subscribers. Maybe that's why. Uh, yeah. But it's it's funny you're asking. <laughs> so t tell us, what's your mindset? Uh, what's your Where is your mind right now in terms of, yeah, what, do you, what are you leaning towards? Um, I think, I'm just, I mean, I love Sony. I'm definitely going to stick with Sony just because I appreciate the weight. Uh, yeah. I, you know, that it's just, it makes so much more sense for me. I, I listened to your podcast with Jackson. Um, oh, yeah. And he said, and he said that Sony is even to, you know, he has, didn't really serve him right in terms of thrashing it around and his adventures didn't, didn't sort of keep up with, um, or the other way around, keep up with the camera. Yeah. But I honestly, I have thrashed, like I have used this camera in all kinds of uh, scenarios and I definitely have it to use it as opposed to just have it to, to, to show it around and keep it safe. Um, and it's been serving me really well, but I do think they do have a lifetime to it. I think once you're at, at about a hundred thousand photos or so, it's, um, it's going to slow down a little bit. Um, but it. anyway, so that's, um, I think I'm just going to get a Sony a7 III. Uh, although mm -hmm. you, that's what you have, right? And I, the only thing that I don't like about it is that the files are just so ginormous. Like 50 oh, megabyte files are three, fine for right? me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it? I don't know. You do, what, which one do you have? Uh, so I have the R3. And for the yes. past two, three weeks, my R3 has been in repair, which means I have a, oh. a 7 III right now. And okay, my and? next video is going to be, <laughs> which one should you get? <laughs> Okay, plug right here, clearly. So you're not going to give me the answer just yet. No, no, of course, I can, we can talk about it. Actually, actually, you should ask me questions uh, because that's going to be even more interesting. Um, okay, well, I, 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 which, which one do you recommend then? If you're doing just photography and yeah. you like to travel with a minimal amount of gear, I would say take the R3. The yeah. reason is you have a huge cropping ability, which means you can 
shoot at 85 millimeter and crop after or you can do mm-hmm. uh, there a super zoom mode where you have your 85 and suddenly you turn it into 130 millimeter and yes you end up with 18 megapixel files but that's still great you know and it's still mm-hmm. on raw etc and i really like that that with it the a7 III is great uh it's fast also um and uh but the files are a bit smaller and I, and if you do some kind of video, um, the low light is better. But I found that the there was some stuff in 4K that were not available on the three that is available on the R three. I have to reconfirm. Mm. But for example, face detection and video in 4K on the mm. R three, if I'm correct, is available, but not on the three. So those are the kind of differences. But again. If you're going to, you're going to save like a thousand dollar. So you have to know if you need to reinvest that into lenses or if you're just going to save it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think there's also a difference with um, the screen, uh, like the pixels on the screen, how sharp the screen is on either of them, no? Yeah, there is something around that. I did not notice a huge difference. And uh, it's funny because just before we started recording the podcast, FedEx delivered the, the repaired R3 which oh, means I'm going to be able to put them side by side and, uh, and really look Actually, at, look at uh, a few mm-hmm. things. Also, you have more custom- customizable menus on the R3. Uh, so you have C1, C2, C3 that you can, yeah. sorry, modes mm-hmm. that you can customize, mm-hmm. which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, for anyone listening yeah. who is not into Sony, <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry, we, we went a little bit <laughs> geek mode. Uh, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send you a, a few more info after. But it's a good okay. it's a good camera. Otherwise, um, yeah, just have to yeah. be careful um, with your audio jack. That's all. Yes. Yeah, I heard that. Well, I don't know. I've been I've I've been a Sony fan, and I I don't see much of a point in changing. But yeah, anyways, I use a I use a Sony camera. Um, I have three lenses usually with me at all times, which is like a seventy two hundred, a sixteen thirty five, and a twenty four seventy two point eight. Um, and then I have a drone. I have a Mavic Mavic Pro 2, I believe, mm-hmm. which is so sharp and so lovely. It's uh, compared great. to the Mavic Pro, it's incredible. I, I'm just so blown away by that sensor. And then I have a little tripod, just a, you know, one of the Joby Pro tripods. That, they're just super light and they, oh, can yeah. still, they still work with Astro, no worries. And I don't do any long exposure otherwise. So I mm-hmm. think that that's all, that's all I need usually. And then for underwater, I have... Uh, something that is just such a pain to carry around, but it seems to be the only thing that really keeps my camera safe and does does the trick with the photos. I use an Aquatech uh, housing. Oh God, that's um, huge! I know they're huge and they're heavy and they're just a bit of a pain. Um, <laughs> so uh, but, wait, let, yeah. let's give a little context for anyone listening okay. who don't know what an Aquatech casing is. How how big is that? Well, it's about probably twice the size of like if you know if you kind of have a, your hand. Yeah. Like if I put my hand out, my my hand does not fill the whole whole casing. Like it's bigger than my hand. Okay. Um, and it's quite heavy in terms of weight. And then the only thing is, you have to imagine if you put your camera into any kind of housing, it you have to extend the housing to whatever length your lens is at. Obviously, because if you use a longer lens, then, yeah. you know. So then that 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 comes. That's really where it all comes in. And you use like a ring, and then you use a dome. The dome gives you the split shots. Um, so then you just end up with, you know, three to four pieces of equipment that you, that are visual, extremely expensive, but also you need to take really good care of when you travel. Oh, wow. You have so, the dome on top of that. Yes. I, ha- I always yeah. use a dome. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's it. I love the dome. So for, if you're listening and you don't know exactly how it works underwater when you're shooting, yeah. if you're shooting with a front glass that is flat, uh, you know, as if it was your lens directly, that's vulgarize it like that. Then when you get split shots, you have a problem because of the diffraction. You've got uh, the bottom part of the water that might be uh, a certain size and the top one, which is, or the contrary, that is mag- there is a magnification between uh, the bottom part of the water and the top part. But when you use the dome, you actually uh, get rid of that and it looks even. It doesn't look like one has been magnified and the other one not. And that's how you get those awesome split shots. Indeed, yes. And even if you have a GoPro, you can get a dome too. So you don't have to go 
you know, crazy and, and get the whole setup for thousands and thousands of dollars. So with a GoPro, you can get a dome as well, uh, which is super helpful. But, you know, for me, I don't know, when I got my underwater housing, I only got it about half a year to sort of, yeah, half a year ago. And I took it with me on an assignment to Australia. And the first shot I took, and it was a very lucky shot because it turns out with underwater photography, you just have to have a lot of patience because you can't control <laughs> um, it so much. But the first shot I took um, that I posted and I posted to um, ended up being featured by Instagram. So, oh, I mean, wow. you know, if, that, if, that's a, if that's a selling point, I, I honestly think something like this is like getting a new piece of equipment for your camera that allows you to learn a completely new side of, side of photography and it also allows you to become a lot more patient again and you just you have to spend a lot of time in water and you have to move around a lot you can't sort of just put a drone up and go for it um i i really think that helps your uh, sort of sense of creativity and your 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 sense of why you create a lot as well so i i find that underwater housing has pushed me so much outside of my comfort zone and always inspires me to to get out into the old water again which i rarely do so um i, I highly recommend getting like even if you if you hire it or if you if you get a little gopro set up uh, it's a really nice way to get inspired again 100 percent and Underwater photography is, as you mentioned, something where you, it's, it's a lot of preparation, but a lot of luck also. Mm, uh, yeah, so much luck. Yeah, mm. there, there's a lot to do with that. You have to understand what you want to capture, and then you have to shoot a thousand frames uh, <laughs> in, in that aspect. Well, I'm talking about more when you're in waves and there are currents and stuff. If, if you're like sure. in purely still water, it's easier, obviously, guys. If you're in a pool and you're trying to shoot a bride for fun, I don't know. <laughs> That's a little bit easier but when you're shooting surfers or whatever there is a huge element of uh, of uh, luck because any anything can happen but the 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 part that is really interesting that you mentioned and i think a lot of us struggle with i'm bored with my photography or i don't have new ideas i feel like i'm not creative anymore um getting that getting another water or getting underwater is something that changes everything first of all it's not comfortable you feel terrible mm -hmm. when you're dragging your camera and swimming at the same time <laughs> second of all i don't it's know i don't know how, how well you can see it carmen in your camera but i couldn't see my shots like i could barely yeah. see anything so you I'm don't pretty much guessing like you can yeah. you can oh i don't know i'm honestly i i just i just shoot away and then every now and then i find a spot where I can stay still still and scroll through. But then, you know, these housings, even though they're so expensive and they're so, you know, quote unquote professional, they yeah. still they still do all kinds of weird things. So sometimes the buttons don't work and this <laughs> breaks and that breaks. Or my my um, one time in the Maldives when I was on assignment as well, my um <laughs> my camera just my sensor just shut down and Oh no. I just had you know so there's there's so many weird things that can happen with it. But Oh, I don't know. I just I think it's a really beautiful way to do something that is yours, that you haven't seen on Instagram before, that you just you create your own art. Because with underwater shots, I mean, of course, if you do surfers and something that you've been inspired to before by someone else, there's no issue with that. But there's so many setups in underwater that you, you just don't see so much on Instagram. You know, it, it's not that mm -hmm. easily accessible. And it's, it's, as you say, it's a lot more hard work. You don't just go out in a nice sunset and, and take that photo in the same spot as everyone else. Um, so it's, it's, it brings that uniqueness and that's, that sort of surprise to, to, the, to the creation again. Yeah, it's not like, hey, Carmen, hold the phone for me. Take a photo of me here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I'm just going to share with you, I'm using a soft case, which is super practical to travel with. The yes, only thing is I, I don't have a dome. And the second thing okay. is you do not want to let it go from your arm. And you don't want to get caught in waves. Um, okay. Yeah. It, it, you I, can yeah, break your gear. Yeah, it's not buoyant, right? Yeah, yeah, it is buoyant, but uh, okay, buoyant. There, nothing protects your camera if you hit the, the reef. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Mm, yeah, so. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm so, I, I feel like I just use my camera so well in, in the sense of having it falling off my hand or doing all kinds of weird things with it all the time. So I'm, I need yeah. as much protection as I can get to, to save myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was in the Maldives and we did a video with, a, with another surf photographer and he shared those tips. And he, just like you, he mentioned, just start with the GoPro. 
Um, yeah. it's, it's getting more and more difficult almost to see the difference sometimes. If you mm. get an, uh, mm. one of the latest GoPro, you get a good dome. Uh, it gets really, uh, I mean, some shots you can just create magic with it. And, um, mm. and, it's, and it's way cheaper. So if you want to experiment on your n next holiday, that's, that's a good way to, to start. Yep, I agree. So, um, Carmen, Colin had a little question on Instagram, and uh, this one is very technical in terms of camera. What metering mode do you use when you shoot? The light what metering, metering mode, mode. Do I use? Are you in matrix, center average, spot metering? Oh my good lord, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm center metering. That would. Know. Let me check. How about you? I'm. 98% of the time matrix nowadays or 90% yeah. yeah I changed recently I used to be center average with my previous camera all the time and then matrix mode became good and then I discovered something new on the Sony which is highlight yeah. priority oh and it exposes only for the highlights and it's actually really cool especially if you do street photography or travel or like whenever there are like very strong shadows and you want to capture what is in the highlights it's really cool. It, you don't have to do much. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's so interesting. I'll check that out. I am. Um, I know I use center at the moment. I've just checked. Center average. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. The, it's something that I feel we, we forget about. Um, do you shoot manual mm. or do you shoot aperture or shutter oh, speed? Oh, of course manual. Yeah. Yeah. Manual. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I don't shoot too much manual. It's like, Oh, 50, I see. Okay. 50, 50 aperture priority and 50% manual. It, Honestly, it, I wouldn't even know how to shoot in any sort of auto, semi or automatic settings anymore. It's my, my, my hands and my fingers just move by itself. <laughs> that's <laughs> they're, great. They're, they're, they're semi attached to my camera at all times. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is no need to change, you know, to be honest. If, if, if you're fast enough, uh, the only reason I still use my aperture priority is whenever I'm in an environment that changes a lot uh, in terms mm. of light, if you go like from mm. super bright to super dark, uh, mm -hmm. that saves a lot of things for me. And also when you combine aperture priority with minimum shutter speed, you literally don't mm -hmm. have to think about shutter speed. Let's say you're, mm -hmm. you're somewhere sunny. You're like, okay, never shoot under one five hundred of a second or 250th. And you'll know all your shots will, shots will be sharp anyway. So after you mm -hmm. just play with your aperture, mm -hmm. and that's what I've, I've been doing lately. Uh, we've got a question, which is, Actually, that's my question, Carmen. Your, your feed <laughs> is really blue, has really nice blue tones. Have you, are you doing that purposely or it's just all the location you go to? Um, no, so I go to a lot of different locations as opposed to a lot of the Instagrammers, especially in Europe or the photographers rather in, in, in Europe or Central America. I do, because I live in New Zealand, because my, my sort of photo jobs and assignments are you know, far away, let's say from the Dolomites and things like this, I, the locations I get sent to are, are really random, like Taiwan and New Caledonia. And mm, last year I've probably visited, I, I visited too many countries last year. It was not very <laughs> environmentally friendly on my, on my um, sort of plane yeah. tickets. But because I travel to a ton of different locations at all times and I love to shoot all kinds of things. I love to shoot astro, I love to shoot wildlife, I love to shoot underwater and of course just adventure photography. Um, it's more about what goes behind and what goes on in the edits and also what goes on in terms of when I, when I publish the photos. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not very planned in terms of getting it, you know, kind of editing 10, 10 photos and then, then pulling them around to see what fits next. I often edit just before I post. I mean, I, I know the photo I want to post, but I would sometimes slightly re-edit re it. Um, yeah. But the way I do it is just on Instagram, uh, on my Lightroom, I have a, a collection on my Lightroom that has my Instagram feed on it. And I pull and drag photos into it that I think would go well um, with the previous oh, that's photos. that's a great idea. Yeah. So I, I am just a very visual person and I find uh, art that, that sort of inspires me to think in color. Very mm -hmm. I, find it, I find it quite motivating and uh, I always have an emotional response to uh, to, to color really just in yeah. and whether that's uh, you know obviously that's why humans love sunset and sunrises so much it, it does evoke something in us it's that kind of stillness and the color <laughs> makes us remember something and so yeah. I um, 
I just then drag and drop my photos and edit them. Obviously, if you have a similar tone curve and if you have a similar preset on the edits, they, they will look quite similar too. But I, it's really just, yeah, it's just a, a personal preference as to how I like to, how I like to see art. Got it. It's, it's funny why, why you say people like Sunset and Sunrise. I, mm. I cannot remember a single day where someone pulled me out somewhere and was like, it's a great day, let's go out and shoot. It's beautiful, great here. <laughs> but exactly. I feel like, like you said, sunrise, sunset, suddenly there is this excitement about uh, all the colors and the beauty that really shines through, at least for all eyes, uh, which is which is really nice. So it's interesting how you how you approach it. I like your little trick of dropping your photos in, of Instagram into uh, Lightroom and then uh, adding more just to see how it looks uh, overall. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of apps on your phone you can use too that, that, that like preview apps and things like that that make that available as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I use, uh, I think, on, um, and another yeah, one. I think it's same. for Planner or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's practical, but I think the, the Lightroom, the advantage is that you're, you're straight into, uh, you're already there in your work zone. Yeah, you don't exactly. have necessarily to go through the whole edit. Um, quick question, why do we on Lightroom? And you might have heard it in the Jackson Groove podcast. I asked him, do you have one Lightroom catalog or do you have multiple per destination? Oh, I have one and it is big. <laughs> oh, wow. Isn't it slow? Yeah. No, no. My computer is doing it just, doing it just fine. Wow. That's yeah, impressive. No, I, I have one. Um, but the reason I have one is because I do a lot of prints and um, because my Instagram, especially when I'm not traveling. I mean, last year I traveled for almost the entire year but right now I have a couple of weeks where I'm in New Zealand and so then I like to post you know photos that are from maybe a month ago and, yeah. and because it, I focus so much on my on my colors it makes mm-hmm. it much 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 easier for me to really drag and drop all kinds of locations like if I look yeah. at my feed here the last four photos are from Nepal New Zealand Austria and the Maldives you know and so to if I had a catalog each for all these locations it'd be really difficult for me to to arrange the photos in yes. in, in one way so that that's why i do it yeah that's 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 the also, only disadvantage i find so yeah. it's it's a good one but see i i don't shoot uh, i'm a travel photographer by profession so i don't shoot any weddings um or when i mean sometimes i shoot some commercial jobs but i because my travel photography is my my is my biggest source of photos yeah. i don't i don't have to worry about my lightroom being clogged up with a hundred different events yeah it's like oh i get two thousand images per weekend uh, <laughs> every, <laughs> exactly. every four That's days a whole different I, story I, yeah yeah, yeah. i would if i sh- if i shot weddings i would definitely do it in the way you do it as well because that otherwise i just go i don't know how how to deal with yeah it. and it's easier to back up if uh, exactly. there is a big advantage on the backing up, you just drop the whole catalog or you send it for someone else to edit on it. And that's sure, a good advantage. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it's pretty good to, to keep it uh, in one, especially if you're trying to arrange things with photos from all around. It's always mm. a struggle for me to go back and reopen another one. Um, mm. I'm, I'm kind of curious now because someone asked a question and it's uh, from R. Bellinston on Instagram. And he or she is asking... What photographers inspire you? Um, a whole array of photographers off and on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, that's a, I'm sure a very common answer, but Ansela Adams, you know, the, mm-hmm. one of the, the original American photographers, he's known for his, first of all, his black and white imagery, but much more importantly for me personally, for his environmentalism, he was a very outspoken activist and I, um, that for myself, I mean, my whole mission is to create more than I consume. And I talk a lot about sustainable practices and about how to treat our surroundings in a better way. So for me, someone that used his or her art with a bigger mission behind it is, is really the, the ultimate sort of source of inspiration because art inspires, but then you can, if you can use it towards a bigger, a, a bigger, a bigger mission and a, and a bigger, um, goal it it really is so powerful so i appreciate his work a lot but then on instagram i mean i love jason charles charles hill's work he's incredible uh really kind australian guy um i love i don't know uh, yeah oh you should follow him he's uh hello emily's partner 
Oh, I'll check. Um, How do you spell yeah, Jason, his name? Jason Charles Hill. Okay. Everyone, so, check him out. <laughs> After yeah, checking no, Carmen, obviously. Ah, <laughs> no, he's, um, he's extremely talented. And I, lo I just love his visual storytelling. It's beautiful. Um, I just love people who do things a bit differently. You know, I love, uh, I always want to say Benjamin, but his account actually doesn't have the N in it. So it's B. Shaman. Okay. Um, it's just different. It's something that you don't see much before. He obviously does a lot of um, edits to his work. Uh, there are so many amazing wildlife photographers out there. I'm trying to think, oh, there's a Kiwi called John Bosinov. And mm -hmm. he, his feed is entirely, so he's a, he's a professional photographer, but his Instagram feed is entirely iPhone shots. And he um, is an Antarctic, so he goes a lot to Antarctica or just to the polar region. So he does um, photography for expeditions down there. Yeah. And for research work. And so his, his feed is John Bosinov. Um, and wow, it is so beautiful. And it's just something different. Um, I, I appreciate people who use this platform to tell their own story instead of tell someone else's story. Got it. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good list. Can I bounce back on the environmental um, aspect of things? Uh, because you mentioned about the airplane. And that's something mm. that comes up a lot um, whenever I talk about it or I talk about what mm. we could do. It's very easy for... How do you feel about it? Do you feel it's... How do you feel about traveling through planes, with planes, knowing that we offset our carbon footprint or, or just it has a huge impact, way more than if we were driving every day to work um, for, five, for 25 minutes? What do you, how do you feel about it? Well, there's two things for me. I mean, first of all, I ask all of my clients if they book flights for me to offset my carbon credits. And when I personally book flights, I always choose that option too. And luckily now, especially within New Zealand, the likes of Air New Zealand or, you know, Qantas, all these airlines, that there's an option no matter where you fly to just pay an extra dollar and offset your carbon credits. So mm -hmm. I always do that, which is, I mean, it's such an easy option. There is literally no reason. If you're already spending $500 on a flight to spend an extra dollar to make sure that carbon that um, is being offset and often it's of trees are being planted um, for the mileage that's being used on the plane, things like this. It's just such an easy, simple solution. I didn't know about um, it. Yeah, so it's, it's very easy. It, every time you book a flight, I can promise you there is an option to um, offset the carbon that the plane is emitting by often, oh. yeah, it's usually, tree, it's usually tree plantations uh, and most airlines have some sort of carbon credit, credit program. Interesting, so, I'm definitely gonna check that. Yeah, so I use this, but then Overall, I like to believe that with everything from photography to how we live our life and, and how, we, how we stand on sustainability and sustainable practices, it's a holistic point of view, you know? So I don't eat any meat. I don't eat any dairy. Mm -hmm. I try to um, only support an, uh, environmentally friendly clothing companies and skincare companies and makeup. And there is we can make the impact in the smallest and the biggest of decisions. And there's no point in, for example, never flying again, even though flying is one of the most horrific practices we can do for the environment, unless we offset the carbon. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it's about a holistic viewpoint. You know, if you, if you are, for example, vegan, but you shop your clothing at a fast fashion store and you travel, um, across the world without offsetting your carbon every other week. It, it just, it really doesn't balance itself out. It makes no sense. Yeah. So you, you do have to find a way that works for you. And it's, it's been many years for me. And for me, that works the best if I, if I am just conscious about my consumption in all areas, not just travel. But I do personally try and travel by plane as little as possible, which to be honest is impossible because I live in New Zealand and if I want to be a travel photographer, an international travel photographer, I have to go on a plane because otherwise yeah. I will be sitting on a boat for the most of the year. <laughs> but, um, which, which, is, which is way worse, I mean, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we are actually, my fiance and I, we are, um, we are preparing to move back to Europe soon. So, I mean, I've, I've lived in New Zealand for seven years now, but we are going to move back to Europe soon. And one of the reasons for that is to just have um, jobs or locations, rather, locations much yeah. more accessible to me so we don't have to jump on a plane every time. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I, I like what you're saying about your holistic approach. I, I had many debates with friends because it's a 
topic that I, I'm very passionate about. And mm. over, over the course of discussions, you know, it's, uh, it came down to do what makes you feel good about yourself and about what you're doing. And I know some people don't really care. I can't do much about it. I can only bring, try to bring awareness. I, I'm not going to judge them because it's not going to help anything. Um, it doesn't mean I don't have judgment. I try not to express it, which is very, can be difficult sometimes, but that's cool. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lifelong uh, uh, learning. And, um, but on the other side, it's like, you know, you can try to do all those things. You know that you're going to be offsetting because uh, you take the plane, you know it's going to have an impact. It's, it's all about what you can do in your everyday. And there are parts where you cannot cut, you know. You can't really cut around those corners because otherwise you, you just don't do what you're supposed to do. And through the travel that we do, I also feel, and lately I feel, for example, while talking with Jackson Groves, etc., I feel that there is a huge, at least in the younger generation, like people start to pay attention and tr really try to have a, a stronger consciousness around um, the environment impact we have, whether it's plastic, whether it's um, using too many, um, too many things, or or just driving too much when you can take your bike and just or just walk. And I feel that we also, um, w through our traveling, also bring a little bit of that awareness to the global population. Because if, if I were to stay all my life in the same location, I might never be able to expose my personal community to the impact we have in our current location on the rest of the world. Because the plastic that ends up on the beaches in the Maldives is not coming from the Maldives. Let's be same in Hawaii, no, you know? Of course, like, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And just in 2011, when I was in Colombia, there was plastic uh, being thrown on, on a place where there's no road, like no road to access. The only way you can go is take a two-hour small plane <coughs> after crossing the jungle and everything. And you still had like Barbies and ending up trashed on the beach. And I'm like, that's not coming from here, you know? So when yeah. you're able to capture that and bring it back home, I think it also helps uh, everything change. So that's how I like to make myself um, think about it. But you can go yeah. either way. I agree. We are all in this together. And uh, for ultimately to me, it really, that my whole tagline of creating more than you consume yeah. um, is that's just what I, you know, that's a mission that I have for myself. And we can make the decision for each one of in our lives, no matter what we do, no matter what um, sort of public persona we have or whether we have one, it doesn't really matter. It's, we all have to take responsibility, um, even if it's not just for our own actions, but for our environment and the situations we're in. Yeah. And we can all do our own part. And it's really, really not that difficult. Um, and, and for photographers, I mean, long moved on. Yeah. yeah, for us photographers, we love to shoot beautiful places, you know, no one wants to, to shoot garbage or smog in a, in a city, you know, it's, it's not fun. First of all, you get massive headaches. And second of all, uh, shooting plastic is, is not, is not that, that interesting, in my opinion. It's nice to shoot wildlife and nature. Um, and even cities that are really green is very nice, in my opinion, to shoot. Um, so it's something... I feel every photographer should should be the front with it, or I don't know how you, the forthcoming. I don't know how you say it, but uh, I, I believe that photographers should be the first one to really push for change on that side. Yeah, most definitely, we are all leaders in this, and it also goes for the people that support um, art. You know, who do you support? Do you follow a, mm -hmm. a wide variety of of people who have voices about this, or do you follow people because you know what do they make you feel like? And I think. If 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 we if we can't inspire people to create action in their personal lives, then our art isn't really doing enough because yeah. our art is like I mean that's the whole idea about art. It's supposed to make you feel something, so it it might as well be something that is you know making people feel good about their lives and making people feel that their environment is more important than they thought about before. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so for anyone listening, if you're still throwing your cigarettes on the floor, please stop photography and just, just abandon. <laughs> like, you shouldn't be doing that, seriously. Um, no joke, uh, joking, we're not judging. Everyone has fault. Uh, but uh, try to think about it next time you're, you're out there or even when you are consuming at home. Just remind yourself that we all have an impact on what, we're gonna, what our kids and what we are going to be able to shoot in 10 years. So, yeah, not fun to shoot trash. All right. 
Uh, last question for you, Carmen, and that one is a little bit uh, of a question. It's simply, what? Imagine you you're talking with a few creators, photographers, videographers around, and they're a little bored with what they're doing so far. What would you suggest uh, to them? Do you have a specific creative exercise you would like them to try? I don't have a creative exercise other than being completely honest with yourself and surrounding yourself with people that inspire you to be a better person, whether it is creatively, professionally, or just personally. I think it's super important that we are aware of the people we surround ourselves with and also the things we consume. And I'm not just talking about the food, I'm talking about the people we follow. So surround yourself with a positive, um, hardworking bunch of people, whether that's on and offline, and be honest to yourself. I think a lot of, you know, if you're in it for the right reasons, you will be able to endure those months where just, you know, we get no money and everything is a bit of a mess or things might not be working out. Um, and if you think you're in it for a reason that might need not be completely sincere, then have a look what else there is. There is something for each and all of us. And um, I don't think there's any sort of cookie cutter recipe we can follow. It's we all have our own trail and we just have to step into it and, and own up to it. That's good. I like that, Carmen. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, um, guys, where, oh, guys, sorry, Carmen, where can people find you online, <laughs> on Instagram? What do, you, what do you want them to look at lately? You can find me at Carmen Hatter. Um, it's spelled like Hunter, but there's no N in my last name, so it's H-U-T-E-R. And, yeah, have a browse. I'm just about to release a brand new website with a big print shop because I love to have my art tangible. So if you want to support that, feel free to. But yeah, just have a browse and honestly, uh, create, just create more. No matter whether you're a photographer or not, just go out and paint or take a photo and just enjoy, enjoy yourself. That's great. Thank you so much, Carmen, for your time. And uh, we'll talk to you maybe on the next episode. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening thus far. Please, if you like the podcast, can I ask you just one thing, guys? Can you share it with your friends? Take a screenshot, send it to a friend that you think will enjoy it, share it in your Instagram story, tag me, etc. Please, 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 let's blow up this podcast and get more and more of those amazing guests because I really enjoyed that discussion with Carmen. I think she's got an amazing work. So please, everyone, go check out Carmen on Instagram and uh, tell her you come from the podcast. Say hi and, yep, hope this will inspire you for your next trips. And remember, traveling doesn't have to be expensive. You can do it for very cheap. There are so many ways to do it for cheap. Maybe I should do a video on that one day and talk to you about it. Anyway, get out there, go shoot, try something different, try something new, and I will talk to you, listen to you, hear you. I, can't, I don't know what I'm saying anymore in the next episode. See you guys. Bye.